theyeshiva.net. I'm often asked about uh, self-love. People often feel that self-love is a uh, modern psychological concept that therapists will talk about, mental health professionals will talk about. Uh, It's part of pop psychology. But in the real tradition of Judaism, it has no real place. Not this one. The Mamari, O one. No problem. In real old in real Judaism it has no place. The focus is Vahaftalarecha Kamoicha. Yeah, I mean, if you hate yourself, it's not a good idea, probably. But very often we know you may have even learned that self love is a contradiction to the love of others. And what's this whole idea of self love? It seems selfish, maybe narcissistic, self oriented, self contained. The focus is on me and my needs. But I'm a shliach of the I'm here. Oh, very good. But you can go down a little bit, Mrs. Shemtiv, so we can see also the bottom. Okay, very good. So this is part of what we're going to be addressing today. And uh, we're going to begin with a mimer of the Alter Rebbe, the Baal HaTanya, of course. This is from a sefer called, as you could see in the document here on the screen, thank you for posting the document, Ma'amore Admur Hazokin Haktsorim. There's a set of Ma'amorim of the Alter Rebbe, one of them here, I'll show you. One of them is called Maimari Admur Hazok, and you see Haktsarim. Why Haktsarim? Because in the Maimarim of the Alter Rebbe, there were different stages. In the earlier years, he gave very brief Tyrus. His teachings were very brief, concise, fiery, passionate. As the years developed, the Maimarim began to develop as well. Much more elaboration, much more length. Chabad lexicon, it's known as Far Peterburg or Noch Peterburg pre-Petersburg and post-Petersburg, which means pre-the events of Yutas Kislev, Tovkov Nuntes, 1798, and post-Yutas Kislev. The whole style changed. These are the Maimarim from the early years. They're called Ketzarim. They're very brief, very concise. So it's from that Sefer, page Tovkov Nun Gimel, and it's on Simcha. If somebody wants the actual copy, if you, you could probably download the copy, but if you want the actual copy, you can email me and I'll send you a copy of the document. You can email rabbiyy at theyeshiva.net and I can send you the document or Mrs. Shemtiv, if anybody wants, you can probably get the document from her. Let's begin inside. You see this is a short mimer on Simcha. And uh, by the way, you could uh, you could chat. The chat is on. So everybody, you can communicate your question to Mrs. Shemtiv, who will communicate to me, or you could put your question directly on chat. Is also fine. And it could be anonymous. So here we go. Simcha. This is a mimer about Simcha, which of course means joy. Let's see the Alter Rebbe's words. Simcha Simcha equals shiflus hanefesh. What does this mean? What is shiflus hanefesh? Shiflus we usually translate as humility. Simcha is the humility of the soul. 
What does this mean? He'll explain what he means. He called Dover Vidover. Every single thing, whether anything from the world of vegetation, produce, every flower, every shrub, every bush, every plant, every tree, everything from the world of Tzamech, from the world that grows. Anything from the animal kingdom, any living creature, from the fish, insects, birds, Beasts, mammals, hey medaber, any one of the speaking species, which means the human being, hasimcha mutba, simcha is ingrained, entrenched in their very chemistry. Simcha is part of their DNA. Mutba means it's part of the mutba means imprinted in the very nature of their existence. Everything. It could be plants are happy. Animals are happy. People are happy. What am I talking about? What do we mean that a tree is happy? <laughs> a plant is happy. But just look at the words of the Alter Rebbe. That everything, every animal, every bird, has simcha ingrained in it by nature. Doesn't choose it. It's part of its genetic makeup, if you wish. It's part of its DNA. Umaya simcha. What is the simcha? What, what is this joy? You know, we say in Tehillim, the beautiful kapitlach of Tehillim, that our utter, that our commute, that are recited Friday night, called Kabbalah Shabbos. There's six kapitlach of Tehillim, corresponding to the six days of the week. Before we get to the Chadoi, the Mizmar Shiliyam Hashabbos. Where David Amalek describes, Nohoroi Simchao Chaf. The rivers shall clap their hands. Yachad Horemi Raneinu. Together the mountains dance. What are you talking about? Which rivers clap hands and which uh, mountains dance? But here you see a perspective. The Alter Rebbe says, every single thing in the world of Tzemeach, Chai and Medaber, has Simcha. Mahi Simcha. What is the Simcha? Lalois Lesharsha. It wants to ascend and realign with its own source, with its own roots. It wants to be connected with its own true core, with its origin, with its progenitor. And it's exceedingly aware of truth. And therefore, because it knows the truth, so it knows two things. First of all, it knows who it is. And number two, it knows what that is consists of. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, we say it every day in Haidu, Oiz v'chedva b'mkaymai, meaning confidence and joy is in his space. Whose space? Hashem. How do I know that I am in Hashem's space? How do I know that I am in a divine space? There's always two signs, two characteristics. If there is confidence and there is joy. Oiz, oiz is inner strength, inner oiz, like inner confidence. And chedva is jubilation, exuberance, simcha, joy. In his space is oiz v'chedva. So the Alter Rebbe says, everything that exists knows the truth. Therefore it knows two things. Number one, who it is, what its true identity is. As he says, it wants to be realigned with its source, with its roots, like a tree wants to 
it wants to always be connected with its shayrish. Shayrish are the roots. Number two, it knows what that thing that it really is connected to consists of. Confidence and joy. What's the result of this? Therefore, call chayis or behemus him tamad besimcha. I have to say, I love these words. Call chayis or behemus him tamad besimcha. All chayis, chayis, of course, are beasts, wild beasts, or behemus, and domesticated animals. They are perpetually in a state of joy. This is their default M.O. Simcha. You know why? Because their bodies, their physical vehicles, don't eclipse their inner energy. But basically, the way they are formed, the way they are created with their life force, with their electricity, that's how they remain in default, if they remain in default mode. And this is true of every single animal. They don't increase the flow of energy, they don't diminish the flow of energy. They don't add to it, and they don't subtract from it. And therefore, their natural state is simcha. What is the Alter Rebbe teaching us here? What is the Balatanya telling us here in this Mimer? Very brief words, but extremely potent words. He's saying that joy, inner calmness, inner happiness, is never something that has to be created. It's never something that has to be given to a person as a special privilege or a special gift or a special schos. No, it's the natural inner posture of every single creature. Not just humans, every animal, as we said, every fish, every insect, and every plant. If if the doors of perception were cleansed and we would be able to see the inner emotions of a plant, we would see a natural flow of simcha. As long as there's no interference, there is a natural flow. Why? What is simcha? Simcha basically means being in touch with who I really am. Who am I really? Who am I really? So he says... Every single animal, instinctively, is aware. It is basically energy that flows through it, through the body. There's no blockages. The energy is not blocked. Every animal and every creature wants to always be aligned with its source, meaning it wants to be a conduit for the energy that flows through it, and that is divine energy. And divine energy is always a space of joy. It's always a divine, And when you're in touch with the divine energy, you're in a space of joy. Because to be in touch with that energy means to be in touch with Hashem. And in Hashem's space, in divine space, there is confidence and there is joy. Now, this doesn't mean that animals don't experience grief. We know today, it seems that animals experience profound grief, especially elephants and monkeys and chimpanzees and probably other animals. And there's a very rich emotional life in many animals. And animals, of course, experience pain. And there is fear. And there is panic. But that's not a contradiction to anything the Alter Rebbe is saying here. Of course, right now the animal may be terrified, or the animal may be concerned, or the animal may be grieving over a a very difficult, painful situation. But the natural inner state of the animal is simcha. 
What does it mean the natural inner state of the animal is simchas? There is a serenity. There is an inner tranquility. There is no stress and anxiety. Now you have animals who have been tortured. Or you have animals who uh, have been uh, you know, deprived from the regular protection that they have. So their system may be very, very disturbed. And they're indeed not in touch with themselves. So obviously he's talking here about an animal that's given the basic um, protection that every animal needs. The same is true with a plant, the same is true with a bird, the same is true with a fish. But generally speaking, the blockages are not there. And therefore, the way they're created, that's how they remain. The energy flows through them. They don't increase it and they don't diminish it. Achin ba'adam... By a person, there's something unique. Shenemar, by, by a person, it says, in Kaihelas, Mi yoideya, ruach ha'adam ha'ayla l'mayla, v'ruach ha'bahem ha'yerid l'mata. Kaihelas tells us, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, who knows? The spirit of an Adam ascends upwards. The spirit of a behem of an animal descends downwards. She'ef she'shiyi ebchines medaber shaloi betoich meiser haguf. By a human being, there can be tension. There could be an inner conflict of, I don't know anymore who I am. The medaber of the person, the medaber of the person is the human being within the person, could experience prison, imprisonment within the body. By the animal, there's no imprisonment within the body. The, the body and the energy are completely one. There's a seamless flow, and therefore there's simcha. What happens often by us is, by a human being, my inner flow of energy can be imprisoned. It can be confined. It can be trapped. I have no access to it. Ube'emes, the truth is, ba'boiker hu e'simcha. The real truth, he says, mourning is always a time of joy. Kedixiv, the Pasuk says in Eicha, chadashim lapkarim. Every morning is new. The Pasuk says, chadashim lapkarim, rabba munasecha. Every boiker, every morning, as the sun rises, there is a chidosh, chadashim lapkarim. Morning is new. Sheyoyred hachayis mechudosh. There is a new flow of divine electricity that enters into each and every one of us when morning comes. And that's why, he says, the natural state in morning is, as I awake and I welcome a new day, there is a new flow of chiyos, a new flow of divine life. And the divine life is defined by confidence and joy. Therefore, there's a new flow of joy. Ah, so what happens? Ach me, and here he goes to Yiddish. The Rebbe spoke in Yiddish, but they would write the Maimarim, whoever wrote them in Hebrew. But here, I guess, it was important to capture the original words of the Alter Rebbe in Yiddish. Ach b'mi vajdeich nemtarum azayu yoyser ba'atzvos. But a person who is overtaken and overwhelmed by a sense of I that is separate from the source, he or she experiences more sadness, more depression, more melancholy, more dejection, more despondency. Because... The greater the person is, and yet he feels that he's so low, that he's so lost, that he's so detached, there is much more sadness and much more melancholy. 
What is the Alter Rebbe telling us here? He's explaining to us why I can't feel calm, why I can't feel joy. And I'm going to share with you, these words are very, very powerful, very short, very brief. I'm going to share with you how I understand it. The natural flow of life is full of confidence and full of joy. Why? Very simple. It's God's life that's flowing through me every moment. If you can close your eyes and you can meditate on this, and you can breathe this into yourself, physically and psychologically, and imagine yourself, your posture is a conduit for Hashem's flow. Every moment, every second, every millisecond, at every space, every experience, every encounter, day, night, seven days a week, 365 days a year. My job, my role is to be a conduit, to be the facilitator, the vehicle, the channel for that energy. The Magad of Mezrich once said, why do we blow Shaifa and Rosh Hashanah? You know what he said? Rosh Hashanah, God renews the energy. Just like every day there's a renewal, generally there's a renewal every year. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. It's like a new brain, a new source of energy. So he said, Hashem blows the energy into you. What's my job? My job is to be a Shaifa. My job is to be a horn, a conduit. God is blowing. My job is just be the Shaifa. You be the conduit. The Magid says the Menagin has to become the Nigin. The Menagin has to become the Nigin. The Menagin has to become the musical instrument and the song. The more I can align my emotional, physical, and psychological posture with that Shoifer, the more I am the Simcha. Simcha is not. We're going to become happy. You don't become happy. <laughs> Try it, it won't work. I can't pursue joy. I'm going to speak to this and this person. I'm going to become happy. No. Simcha is actually letting go. It's letting go of everything. It's letting go of my need to control. It's letting go of the stories I tell myself about myself. It's letting go of all the expectations that my mind constantly creates of what it means to live in a good life, what it means to live a good life, and what it means to live a miserable life. The avayda here is a very deep avayda. This is not about an outer display. This is about what is happening in your brain, or my brain and our brain. Our brains affect each other, by the way. Every single moment. What is happening there? And you'll notice, all atzvahs, all despondency, all my negativity, all my toxicity is always coming from one space, if you boil it down to the core. And that is, I'm telling stories about me and my present situation, my relationships with others and the people around me, that is creating a narrative of what life is supposed to be and what life is that's throwing me into this mood, can I let go? Because at the core of everything is really the lack of understanding and experience that my eye is the divine eye. I'm a shaifer. My breath is not mine. 
Neshama comes from the word breath. My mind is not mine. My talents, my resources, my creativity, the nine systems in your body, your respiratory system, your circulatory system, every system, my digestive system, my urinary system, all of the nine systems in my body, what are those systems? They are systems, they're conduits for the divine electricity, for the divine chayas, what he calls here the chayas of elikus that flows through me. And when I'm a shayfer to that, there's always confidence there, and there's always joy. God is not depressed, and God is not traumatized, and God is not afraid, and God is not insecure, because God is truth, God is everything, God is infinity, God is eternity. And who are you? You're the conduit for his energy, your soul, your mind, and your goof. Where's the sadness coming from? Where's the depression coming from? Well, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm traumatized because of what happened to me in my past. I'm traumatized because of what's happened to me right now. I am torn apart because of my marriage, because of my children, because of my grandchildren, because my daughter needs a shidduch, because my son is confused, because I'm confused, because my husband is difficult, because lockdown, because COVID-19, because of my mother, my sister, my brother, my colleague, my God, my situation, my finances, my psychological stuff, my emotional stuff, my childhood, for heaven's sake, that's a big one. Now, all this is normal. It's normal. We're humans. We experience pain. We have a lot of disappointments. Life is not perfect. I don't think I have to preach that to the audience sitting here or any audience today. Life is not perfect. Life is filled with pain, with struggle, with disappointment. Nobody, the Alter Rebbe knew about the jungle. He knew that those cheetahs attack those uh, impalos or antelopes or zebras. He knew what lionesses do, what tigers do, what leopards do, what predators do. What do you mean these animals are, are, are depressed, are, are happy? Are they, life is dangerous. You have to distinguish between the experience of the pain and the stories we tell ourselves about the pain. There's a very big difference between the two. I'm going to have to make this fast because I want, I want to cover this, even though we could speak about this for a few hours. The pain itself, I can deal with. In life, the energy is channeled in a way that sometimes there is pain. There is pain that I am looking at. But the stories I tell myself about it, therefore, I'm not good, I'm a loser, I'm a defect, I'm scarred, I'm wounded. And these are not stories that are necessarily conscious. They're unconscious stories. It's just the way my brain goes. Watch where your brain goes. If your brain is going anywhere but to this following statement, and that is, I am a channel for divine love and divine energy that is flowing through me at this moment. And this flow of energy is full of confidence and full of joy because if my brain is going anywhere else, and it is going in other places, and I can't control it always, but I could notice it, I can observe it, I can create space for it and then have compassion for it and then not allow it to dictate the entire trajectory of my life. Now, this is not about words, even though I'm talking. 
This is about inner experience. This is about your inner breath. This is about your inner posture. This is about who you are vis-a-vis yourself and automatically who you will be vis-a-vis your spouse, your children, your students, your friends, your community members, and of course, your constituents and all the people you come in contact with in your home, on your porch, in the supermarket, or in today's generation, on Zoom. Every morning, if you're open to the energy, you know this, if I wake up in the morning and at least I guess I had decent sleep, you wait the first moment before you check your email. Once you check your email, you're done. But before you check your email, I don't know why the Alter didn't put that in, but I think it's obvious. Before you check your email, there's a surge of freshness. What happens? My brain right away is, oh, this is a tough day. <laughs> I didn't make dinner yet. We have a dentist appointment. We have a doctor's appointment. The laundry, the the cleaning lady didn't show up. Shabbos is coming. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then come the psychological stuff and the emotional stuff and my responsibilities and my fears, conscious and unconscious. And I'm already in a bad mood. So the Alter Rebbe says, Chadashem Lebkarim, whoa, where are you going? Why am I taking everything on myself? Why am I in control of everything? Where did I become detached from God? Why am I detached? Learn from the animals. Learn from the animals. Learn from the trees. There's no dissonance. They don't get trapped. The energy doesn't get trapped. The human being, because of his or her ability to be completely aligned and consciously with infinity, we also have the ability to be able to disassociate from infinity, at least in our own consciousness, at least in our own mind, and then we lose the plot. And that's why after the Chadam and Chava eat from the tree, the tree of self-consciousness, self-consciousness, self-awareness, Eitz Hadas where I become self-aware, I'm detached, two things have to happen. They have to put on clothes, because they're not comfortable in their own skin anymore, and nobody else is comfortable in their skin. And number two, God asks them, asks Adam, Ayeka, where are you? As Dalter Rebbe says famously in prison, his famous insight, it wasn't a geographical question, it was an existential question. Where are you? Because from that moment, I don't know who I am, I don't know where I am, and from that moment, the cosmos went into therapy trying to figure out who it is and where it is. But the elephants naturally don't need therapy. Even dogs naturally don't need therapy unless they're living in Los Angeles or New York and they have been quite affected by their masters. So the Alter Rebbe continues, Rak leman Hashem. Now in English we would say, for God's sake, Rak leman Hashem. For Hashem's sake, says the Alter Rebbe, Nitzu nemen hasimche midem ich. Don't grab the joy with that separate ego. Badaf haben asimcha, nitzunemen asimcha, midem ich badaf haben asimcha. Rakle kabel hasimcha machmas ha emes, shein ha astorem ohus klalbe emes. Don't grab the joy with the sense of separateness because then it's a catch 22 situation. I am going to be happy now. No. The essence of happiness is... The essence of happiness is that I actually let go. That I open myself up to the infinity that is flowing through me. That I become a shifer. That I am a channel for the divine music, for the divine symphony. 
for the divine creativity that's flowing through me. And everybody is a unique shifer. And that's why every shifer produces a different sound. The light that flows through you is not the light that flows through you. And it's not the light that flows through you or the light that flows through me. And that's why there's no real jealousy in this space. Because jealousy is, I'm afraid that you are usurping me, that you are taking away from me. But that's all because I don't know who the me is. I don't believe in the me. I think the me is petty and we're competing over the same resources. We're not competing over the same resources. We are competing over infinity. You don't have to compete over infinity. There's enough for you, enough for me. Because everyone channels Hashem's light in their own unique way. Everyone is an indispensable note in the cosmic symphony. And the note that's playing through your shoifer is unique to you. The Mishnah says in Sanhedrin 38, there's something about you that is at stake in the whole drama of creation because there is the song that's expressed through you. So don't grab the simcha with your claws. Like, I'm going to be happy. Now it's the morning. I'm going to be happy. No, no, let go. Let go. All trauma, all my scars, all my wounds are the stories I tell myself about myself, which turn me into a restricted person. They turn me into a person who's, who's sometimes angry, who's sad, who's low, who's despondent. I'm not aligned with my infinite purpose. I allow my painful past-present circumstances to redefine my relationship with myself. And of course, my joy is blocked. This is the essence of Avodah Hashem. This is the essence of Bittal. It's aligning your posture with God's posture. It's seeing yourself as His shaifer. So what is Simcha? He says, open yourself up to the truth that the concealment is not real. Ah, the concealment has no real substance. Ooh, it's very real, but it doesn't have real substance. It's real because I say it's real. Punchline. And when the yesh, the sense of separateness, is not eclipsing, it's not covering up what is really happening inside of me, the simcha flows organically and automatically. Because that's who I am. <laughs> I am happy. You're ha- happy. But in order to experience that, I have to be able to allow myself to emancipate myself from a separateness, from an I that is separate, that is detached. That's what we call the yesh. The yesh is the definition of the I as divorced from God's infinite I. The definition of bittal is, my eye is aligned with God's eye, and therefore it's transparent. It doesn't block the powerful energy that's flowing through me at this moment. So going from a place of anxiety, of stress, to a place of calmness and simcha, is not something I can force upon myself, or you could force upon yourself. I'm not going to be anxious anymore. It's about very, very deep compassion for the fact that so many parts of me often feel so separate and so broken. And for the fact that I'm trying to protect a self that I don't have to protect. Because that's what my scars often do to me. 
they put me into a place of survival because I feel so detached and broken that I have to create all of these facades in order to protect myself. Can I let go slowly, just let go? One layer after another layer after another layer. And then you become a conduit for the divine light that just flows through you. And you're in a state of simcha. You're in a state of organic, holistic joy. I now move on to source number two. Um, Mrs. Shemtev, could you please put on, could you put up, sort of, huh? The first one, the one that you did initially. It says, Simchas Torah B'Sha'as HaKiddush. We're now going to learn, read, learn a story that was shared by the Rebbe Rayatz. Of course, the previous Rebbe, the sixth Rebbe of Chabad, Kvayt Kedushas Admur Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak Shneirsen, the father of Rebbe Tzenchaya Mushka, whose yard site is today, the Bala Sahilullah. He said this, Simchas Torah, during the Kiddush, Tov Reish Tzadik Vov, that is 1935 in Poland. And I'm going to give you the introduction, the background to the story. It's a story the Rebbe Rayatz heard from the person himself. Who is this person? A man named Reb Chanoich Hendel Kugel. In Chabad history, he's known as Reb Hendel. Reb Hendel was a chassid of the Tzemach Tzadik. Reb Hendel came to the Tzemach Tzadik, in the year Tofrej Gimel, that's 1843. You're going to be tested on all these dates, so please listen. He came to the Tzemach Tzadik in 1843, and he remained there. And he became one of the well-known Hasidic legends, primarily not because of his mind, his heart. His heart, something special. And when the Rebbe Rayatz was growing up as a child, Reb Hendel was one of his mentors, one of his teachers. He had a tremendous impact on him. He writes down a lot of stories that he observed from him and that he heard from him. So this is a story that the Rebbe Rayatz says he heard from Rebbe Hendel himself. Rebbe Hendel didn't grow up as a chassid. Rebbe Hendel was, didn't grow up as a chassid. He became a chassid only when he was a young man. But he encountered a man named Rebbe Zishke Kurenitzer. Rebbe Zishke Kurenitzer was his name. His actual name was Rebziskind, but they called him Rebzishka, like Zusha, Zishka. His name was Ziskind. And Rebzishka Kurenitzer was a rabbi, a very prominent rabbi in his city, in his community. He was a big Talmud Chachim. He was a great, a great Torah scholar. And Reb Hendel observed him, and he saw that he was a classic rabbi, tending to the needs of his community, teaching Torah. He never saw him learning himself. He never saw Rebzishka, who was a Chabad Chassid, learning himself. One night, Reb Hendel happened to be sleeping by Reb Zishka, and he went to sleep. Midnight, Reb Hendel is woken up. He hears that Reb Zishka gets up. Midnight, and from midnight till dawn, Reb Zishka was learning, learning for himself. He saw when morning came, Reb Zishka went to the mikveh, and then he started to appear for davening. And Reb Hendel was, was overwhelmed from the, from the sincerity, the dveikas, the, the passion, the realness. And he decided maybe he should become a chassid, but he was not sure because it, it seemed too difficult for him. That day, 
he saw that a woman came to Rebzishka and shared with him about somebody who was ill in her family. And Rebzishka just started to sob. Then that day, he saw that there was somebody in the community who needed a favor from somebody else. And Rebzishka went to that person to try to plead with him and convince him to help this Jew in need. Reb Hendel saw all of this in one day. And he realized, wow. All day, the previous day, he was just a rabbi teaching. In the middle of the night, I saw a whole other side of him. In the morning, I saw another side. In the middle of the day, I saw another side. And he started, I want to be a chassid. And he goes over to the Bzishka, and he says, the Bzishka, I want to be a chassid. And the Bzishka says, good. So the Bendel says, and now I ask you to look inside. Okay, The first column, first column, this left side of the column, the last paragraph, Libesayf. Okay, you see Libesayf. I'm going to read and translate. Libesayf is being gebliben as a zavet and a chassid. Reb Hendel decided he wants to be a chassid. He goes to the bzushah kurds. I want to be a chassid. He says, Taif kut. V'shalei Reb Hendel says, V'vet ben a chassid. Abed izoltaif mir nit machbed zayin. I want to be a chassid, but don't make it hard. If it's going to be too hard, if it's going to be full of pressures and burdens, I can't deal with it. I need the simple path. How do I become a chassid? Veheshev. So the Rebbe Rayat Simchas Torah in 1935 repeats what Reb Hendel told him that he heard from Reb Zusha decades earlier. Decades earlier. Reb Zusha told him, Esesgar Pasha, that's not hard. You want to be a chassid? I'll give it to you. It's simple. The Ersh Tezach from Chassidus is Avas Yisrael. The first foundation of chassidus is you care for another person. You love another Jew. Your heart and your life is filled with love, positivity, connection, attachment, empathy. We now went to the next page. He explains to him what Avas Yisrael is. And then he says to him, I said that the foundation of Chassidus is to love another Jew. But you're also a Jew. So you have to learn how to love yourself. The foundation of Chassidus is love. Love to the Jew. But you're also a Jew. He said, Alein is Yid. You have to learn how to love yourself. So Reb Zusha says, you want to know what chassidus is? How do you become a chassid? You have to learn the language of love. Love, avas Yisrael. But you're a Jew. So you have to learn the language of self-love. How do you do that? How do you love yourself? Apparently it's not so easy. He says you have to expel the guy that exists inside of you in order to be able to experience real self-love. This is what the Rebbe Rayatz heard from Reb Chanoi Chendel, who became one of the greatest Chabad Chesedim of his generation, and quite a few generations from the Tzamech Tzedek. All the way down, he passed away during the tenure of the Rebbe Rashab. What does this mean? I hope the first member of the Alter Rebbe clarified it to you. What does it mean to self-love? You have to chase the guy inside of me. What does it mean? What is he talking about? What is the Bajus telling to Reb Hendel? And that made him a chassid. What does self-love mean? 
What does it mean that I love myself? What do I love? What is it that I love? I love my suit. I love my bank account. I love my car. I love my outfit. What is it that I love about me? Maybe I love attention. Maybe I love the attention I'm getting from people. Maybe I love the validation I'm getting from people. What is it that I'm loving? Real self-love, he says, is the beginning and the middle and the end of Avas Yisrael. It means appreciating who I really am. Who am I real? Who am I for real? I am divine infinity. I am a manifestation of God in this world. Or, in the topic of these days, I'm a shliach or a shlucha. The Gemara says, Shlucha shall adam kemoisai. A shliach or a shlucha has the properties of the one who sent her or him. I represent the one who sent me. I become like him, halachically, or like her. Says the Alter Rebbe in Lekuti Torah, Parshas Vayikra, the real Adam is Adam HaElyon, Hashem. In Yecheskel, we have Hashem called Adam HaElyon, who sits on the throne of glory, on the Kisei HaKavet. Adam HaElyon Shalak Kisei. Shluchoi shal Adam HaElyon Kemoise. Every Neshama is a Shliach of Hashem. Sent into the body, sent into this world. You are Kemoise. That's who you are. Of course you have to love that. That's the deepest love. It's the most authentic love. But for this, I have to extricate those voices and those messages inside of me that tell me that I'm alienated, that I'm not good, that I'm disconnected, that I'm a shlamazel, that I'm a nebach, that I'm a loser, that I'm a defect, that I'm blemished, that my life is just a tragic story. I have to get rid of all those inner interpretations. I need your validation. I'm a stressed out person. I'm an anxious person. I'm not a healthy person. I'm a nerdy person. Whatever the stories are. I have to get rid of those messages. It doesn't mean get rid of. Get rid of doesn't mean I could just go like this and they get rid of. And they, they disappear. It means I have to notice them. I have to notice where my mind is going. And is my mind and my thoughts reflective of the guy inside of me? The Yetzirah inside of me? Or it's being reflective of the true me, which is basically a shifer of divine infinity. And that's the secret of self-love. It's as natural as joy. It's the inherent property of every person. How could you not love that when it's full of beauty and full of holiness and full of confidence and full of joy and full of possibility? Let's open the floor to questions. Excellent question. The first I'm going to give brief answers because I want to try to get to all of them. I see a lot of questions. The first way of changing the story is by noticing the story. You see, the problem is not the story. The problem is that I become the story. I don't notice it anymore. The story becomes so ingrained within me that there's no other story. <laughs> it's, it's, you remember the old records, right? There was a scratch or today on the scratch CDs. And it's repetitive. Uh, 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 uh. That story is me. I am the story. The story is me. I don't notice it anymore. What I'm going to suggest is, to me and to all of us, is just notice the story. Notice those patterns. 
notice the stories you're telling yourself. Notice, notice your thoughts. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Mrs. Shemtev, is everything fine? I assume you hear me, right? Anybody wants to give me a WhatsApp? Uh, uh. Oh, no problem. Okay. So if you could notice what is happening, and then you can make choices. So for example, your, your teenage son tells you something, right? You start going, your mind travels to China, to New Zealand, to all of the shluchas. I'm not going to do the roll call right now. But your mind goes there, yeah. Your husband says something. Ooh, your mother says something. This one, that one, right? This, this, this woman in the community who you sacrificed your life for makes some comment to you. And what happens? We start going into places. We define the person. And more importantly, we define ourselves. And we do this unconsciously. And now I'm swelled up with, with so much, I don't know, anger and tension and anxiety. The first thing you can do is just notice. With compassion, not with criticism. Criticism doesn't work, not even with ourselves. With, with compassion. Notice where your brain is going. Notice what you're doing. And you don't have to challenge it. Don't argue with it. Because part of trauma is that you argue with your trauma. Don't argue with it. Let it be. Watch it. Observe it. Have compassion for it. Make space for it. But realize that you are not it. And the moment you really realize what I'm saying, the moment you realize this, everything will change because then you can make choices to start telling yourself a different story. You could tell yourself the story of the Alter Rebbe about yourself. You could tell the story of Reb Zusha about yourself. You could start telling a different story. Great question. What does it mean to let go? How do we make any of this practical? I think, at least, let me just give one, one exercise that I think could be very helpful. And this is an exercise that I think is available to each and every one of us every single morning. And that is in the morning, early, before, before the daily grind begins, and I know that may be very early for some of you, including two and three in the morning, depends on where you are in life. But as best as possible, early in the morning, before you get entangled and encumbered by so many responsibilities as a mother, as a wife, as a Rebetzin, as a teacher, as whatever you're involved in in your life, and everyone is, Baruch Hashem, busy beyond, before all of that, you know, before it all comes on, to really be able to take a few minutes and simply help your mind align yourself with these truths. Maybe you want to do it during a walk or during exercise or during davening or during meditation. That's everyone according to your own you know, schedule and your own disposition. But the point is to really be able to take time, be in a balanced place, emotionally and physically. If you want, you can close your eyes. You can breathe because neshama is always neshima. The breath of life is Hashem's breath. So when we breathe deeply, we get a little more in touch with that breath of life and simply 
share with yourself with kindness. Today, I, Rabbi YY, or whoever the person is, I, you can even say it verbally, Hashem, allow me to be your shoifer, your conduit, to express your love, your infinity, your goodness, your kayach, your wisdom, your truth in the world, in my own way. I may be doing it as a mother, as a teacher. This one is doing it as a businesswoman. This one is doing it as a therapist, as a, as a dentist, <laughs> as a lawyer, as a tailor, as a sh- whatever it is, as a seamstress, as a personal trainer, as a rebetzin, as a shlucha. The definition of a shlucha is that my entire life is focused on this meditation. I am your conduit. Like the Rebbe used to say, the role of the shlucha, or the shliach, is to teach everybody that they're shluchim. <laughs> That's the role. Somebody once asked me about Jews being the chosen people. I said, we were chosen to teach every person that he or she was chosen. That's what you were chosen for. <laughs> you were chosen for this. You were chosen to help people align themselves with this. If I can't do it inside of me, I can't do it inside of anybody else. Gone are the days, you'll forgive me for being blunt, gone are the days when we're busy changing the whole world besides ourselves. Gone are the days I'm teaching to everybody besides myself. Gone are the days I'm going to work on my kids and on my community, but not on me. That's not happening anymore. It all begins inside of me. So take those few minutes. And letting go really means you don't take an axe and start chopping things out of your life. But with compassion and with love and with sensitivity and with calmness, you take a few minutes to say to yourself who you are and to ask Hashem to help you be that person today. I want to be that person. The Maggit says, I mentioned before, the singer must become the composition. I want to be the niggin. I want to be the composition. In other words, I don't want to be separate. Just like a violin is such a beautiful instrument or a piano or a cello, they don't have an ego outside of the music. They are just a channel for the music. Lechol, you remember the song from Rabbi Yehuda Halevi? Ani kinor l'shirayich. You know that one? I am a harp for your melodies. I am the harp. I want to be that harp. Does it mean that I have respo- that I don't have any responsibilities? No, I have a lot of responsibilities. Does it mean that there's nothing stressful going on in my life? No, there's a lot going on in my life. But my attitude is one, that I am not a victim... I am not responsible for all the circumstances. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to gain validation. I am just a conduit for your infinite energy. I think if you learn to do this, you every just like this physical stretching in the morning, you know, Pilates, stretching, whatever it is, different people do their own things. There's spiritual stretching. Emotional stretching, psychological stretching. Stretch out your body. You know, people tell me you sit too much at a desk, right? My, my, my chiropractor tells me, he says, Rabbi, why were you sit like this all day? You're getting old. So I said, how should I sit? He said, you have to sit like this. You have to be erect. Psychologically, you also have to be. You have to be a channel. You have to be, you have to be a conduit. It's like emotionally, spiritually. That's what koima skufa means. The Rebbe would often speak about Yiddish shtoltz, koima skufa. To stand straight. What does it mean to stand straight? That your posture, your spiritual posture shouldn't be bent in. And then there's no blockages. And when there's no blockages, the simcha flows. 
You know when you block a shoifer, the voice doesn't come out. <coughs> That's what despondency is. Simchas, you just clean out the shoifer. So every morning, imagine that you're a channel, you're a shoifer, and just clean it out. Say, no blockages today, no blockages. Not from this one, not from that one, not from me. And if the blockages are coming up, notice them, have compassion on them, but don't let them kidnap your mind and your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful question. So, I think, I think that, uh, I don't know who asked it, so I could be a little blunt with you. Your question, it made me feel, maybe wrong, that your understanding of Bittel is a little off. <laughs> In other words, when you say we have bodies, we have gashmias, we have feelings, we have hearts, you're talking about angels. So I think, with all respect, with all due respect, we have to go back to a little bit of a deeper understanding of what Bittal is, and what an angel is, and what an Ashama is. Not only does this Maimer not disregard your body, or your feelings, or your heart, or your emotions, it's the exact opposite. This is about respecting your body in a much deeper way. This is about respecting your emotions and feelings in a much deeper way. Because your body is the divine vehicle. In Chesidus, there's a huge discussion. The Alter Rebbe once said, Mipsari echze eleka. From my flesh I will perceive God, the Pasuk says in Eiv. So the Alter Rebbe says, if you uh, sand the externalities of your flesh, your flesh will become a transparent vehicle for the revelation of the divine. The body, in fact, is the most divine of all. In Tanya chapter 49 it says that Uvano Vacharita, the Pchira of Hashem, was in the body more than in the Neshama. And that's why today we know in psychology the body holds the score. The body is the carrier of everything. Today, in cutting-edge therapy, we know that even if you can speak with a therapist for years, everything that will come out through your words are a limited fraction of what your body has stored inside. The body is the reservoir of all of our experiences, of all of our stories, And the body is actually the most in touch with truth. And the body is therefore carrying so much because the body is trying to protect me, trying to protect you. And all of our trauma and scars and wounds are in the body. And we have to be able to help the body release it. So all of this is not about ignoring your body or ignoring your emotions. On the contrary, this is about understanding that your body is the divine vehicle. Your body is the physical conduit for Hashem and for Hashem's essence and for Hashem's love and for Hashem's light. Which brings me now to our emotion and our feelings. You say, what does it mean to work on yourself? What does it mean to work on all your midas? What if I'm having negative midas? That's exactly the work. When I'm having negative midas, if I'm experiencing hatred, animosity, jealousy, or other types of midas that we call midas ra'is. What are they? Do 
The word ra, what does the word ra mean? Ra, we say, is evil, bad. But what does the word ra really come, where does it come from? What's the etymology? The word ra, it says in Tanya, chapter 6, comes from the Pasuk and Kahelis, ru'us ruach, which means brokenness. Or in Gemara, we have a kaisal ra'uah, a flimsy wall that's very uh, weak. It's broken. Ra is the sense of brokenness. What am I broken about? How did I break? It's because I feel detached. I'm broken from the source. And because I feel separate and detached, that's what Ra really means. The origin of Ra is not heinous evil and crimes. That's the ultimate Ra. But the spiritual origin of Ra is a sense of separateness, a sense of loneliness, a sense that I'm alone, a sense that I'm detached, a sense that I'm powerless. It's a lack of inner confidence and joy. That's what Ra really is. And that's why I go to addictions. That's why I have to numb myself. That's why I have to go binging. That's why I love eating. That's why I have to distract myself with my phone. You know this guy? Or with the internet. Why do I have to distract myself? Because I'm not living from an inner place. All our midos ra'is are a result of our experience of brokenness. And basically, I'm operating in a space of survival skills. I'm like an animal trying to survive, but with the sophistication of a person which makes me depressed. And that's what the Tanya means, that I have a Nefesh Bahamas and a Nefesh kiss. Nefesh Bahamas means that all I see myself is trying to survive. And that's what our body and our mind does. They adopt in a way that we can survive. They may lock ourselves They may cause us to lock down emotionally, to lock ourselves up, not to trust anybody. They may cause us to be narcissistic. They may cause us to be very, very jealous. They may cause us to be very, very sad. They may cause us to be very, very scared, insecure, because I'm trying to survive, and this is a dangerous world, and I could live there my whole life. But the Alter Rebbe says, allow your animal to be able to see that there is much more to you that you're actually the flow of divine energy, that your body is sacred, your soul is sacred. So my midos royos is always a derivative. It's a result of me not experiencing the oneness of life, the oneness of the planet, the oneness of the cosmos, the oneness of Hashem. So you say, what does it mean to love another person? Does it mean to kiss another? I kiss my child, I'm kissing another shoifer. I'm kissing what one ram's horn is kissing another ram's horn. What it means to love another person based on this is on the contrary. My love to you is infinite. The Avas Yisrael is infinite. Why? Because it's coming from my infinity. Whenever your love is coming from your infinity, it flows without inhibition. I don't live in a place of judgmentalism. All judgmentalism is coming from a place of insecurity. I have to put you down to feel more comfortable. That's why I judge you. I tell stories about you, and I often live in that space, and that's a very miserable place to live. This is not about being an angel. This is about being a person. This is about being a full person, a real person. You don't deny anything. You don't amputate any part of you. You just notice what is going on so that you could make healthier, deeper, more authentic choices. Beautiful question. Beautiful question. What's then the balance between oneness and individuality? And how do I become one with the song? 
Right. Anybody who ever learned a little chassidus knows that oneness is the key topic, but there's endless layers of oneness. For example, in chassidus is something called Yechudah Tata, Yechudah Ilah, Bittel Hayesh, Bittel B'Metzius, Yechud Malmata Lamayla, Yechud Malmata Lamayla, Yechud Biyah, Yechud Malchus, Yechud Zah, Yechud Atzilus, Yechud Lamayla Me'atzilus, Constantly levels of unity. What are what are all these words about? They are really various states of perception of how much aligned I am with oneness. So, for example, sometimes I am stressed. I'm just anxious. There's too much going on in my life. And Rabbi, why were you giving this beautiful lecture? But listen, come to my kitchen. Look what's going on today in my house, and you'll stop all your preaching. You're sitting here locked up in your office with a nice Zoom and a nice computer, and it's quiet. It's actually not so quiet. So you could, uh, you could uh, preach eloquently about uh, oneness. It's not real. And that's why it's so important to acknowledge where you are in the world and not to judge it. In other words, there may be a lot going on. You know what I mean? I'd be stuck in traffic. I finally got a doctor's appointment after six months, and now I'm going to miss the appointment because there's traffic. And they'd refuse to, uh, you know, and it's very hard. And there's no dinner, and my kids are coming home, and there's nobody to pick them up, and the food was not done. And, of course, the cleaning lady didn't go, go up. And my husband decided that this week he has to travel to the oil for more weeks, right? It's all wonderful. And another thousand things that come up. It's very important to be living in the... I don't have to tell this to women. I should tell this to men. It's very important to be living in the moment and not to fly away to the heavens and make believe that there's nothing going on. I'm responsible. I have to deal with X, Y, and Z. We're not talking about ignoring anything. We're talking about operating from a much deeper place. What does it mean operating from a much deeper place? not associating stories with our experiences. You can handle everything. I can handle everything. What I can't handle is the stories I tell myself about what's happening. It's proving that I'm a this, I'm a that, she's a that, he's a that. We right away put people into boxes and definitions and then we close the lid on the relationship and we go into a place of misery. Can you be open to the fact that you don't know the story? There's infinite possibilities. Just be curious. Just be inquisitive. Allow your heart to be a conduit where things go through rather than they get stuck. Every emotion that goes through you, it shouldn't get stuck in you. Be that, be that harp. Let the music flow through you. Be that shaifa. A lot of things are going through my heart. That's fine. Don't close the lid. Don't close your heart. Don't finish the story. Let one chapter be written, another chapter be written. Really realize that the story is much deeper than the story. Realize that no story should be confined in finite words. Realize that the real story of life comes from an infinite place where there's no language. So all language is limiting. We use language, but let's get stuck in language. Again, learn from the animals. What happens with animals is very interesting. Let's say an impala is attacked by a cheetah. Okay, and then Pala runs away, but she got a, she got a bite in her neck. You know what she does? Something very interesting. They wanted to see if this post traumatic stress disorder by animals. So when the cheetah is gone, the impala or the zebra will shake off the terror for like a few minutes. They'll just stand here like this, 
and then they go back to the herd, and it's as though nothing happened. You know why? They didn't tell stories. They didn't say, the Impala didn't say, I must be a loser. Yeah, my father also believed I'm a loser. I'm such an idiot. I'm a moron. I was always hated. My, the herd wanted this to happen to me. I should have died. My life is miserable. Thank God the Impala didn't learn how to speak. So she does not confer language about all the experiences. But we do. And it gets us in trouble. The trauma is worse. It's not the pain that creates the trauma. It's the stories that we associate with the pain. So there's a lot of emotions that come through us. No question. And you have to be an open heart and let them go through and notice them and observe them. But let your eye remain aligned with the source. Now, what does that mean practically? It means practically means I don't have to figure everything out. I don't have to wrap my brain around everything. I don't have to understand it. I could look at my pain and just start crying from the mystery of it. I can trust that I am right now one with Hashem and His light, life is flowing through me. And I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to come to conclusions. I could just be open to the mystery of life in a very curious and inquisitive way. Yes. <laughs> And and what was the last que- you asked? What was the last question you asked, uh, Mr. Shemtov? I forgot. It was very good. Oh yeah, this is the essence of individuality. Individuality doesn't mean that I'm in a conflict with others. Individuality means that there's a light that flows through me, and it's unique. Every instrument has its character, its personality. There's a Stradivarius violin. They're called strads. They're worth millions of dollars. There's something about that violin. They still don't know what. What did the Italian Stradivarius do that make his violins worth $10 million versus other violins which you could purchase for $120? They still don't know the mystery of Stradivarius violins. But there's something. Is it the polish, the shine, the Makabapatish. The Mamish don't know. Adhayaimazad, they don't know. I was reading an article by Joshua Bell, the famous violinist, because he has a Stradivarius. They don't know. But it's a unique violin. And therefore, the music that comes through it is unique. That is individual. Individuality means that if Stradivarius could make unique violins, God made every single goof and every single brain unique. I share 50% of my DNA with a banana, 98% of my DNA with a chimpanzee. And of course, the DNA with my family. But nonetheless, there is a unique sequence about you. Your Stradivarius, let's call it your divine, your, <laughs> your divine violin, is unique. It's a unique Kali for a unique air that shines through you. And that has to do with your personality, your chemistry, your Shairish Hanashama, your Midas. The Menorah had seven branches. It says that Aaron had to kindle every type of Neshama. There's Chesed, Gore, Teferis, Netzachad, Yisad, Malchus. Every limb has the way it expresses the light of the soul. The nose in its way and the eyes in its way and, of course, the ears in its way and the abdomen and pancreas and liver and kidneys. Every aver, every organ is a unique facilitator of a unique element of the soul. And we complement each other and there's no jealousy here. There's nothing I can do to take away your light. 
And there's nothing you can do to take away my light. Nor should I ever say that by me being humble and repressed, I'm going to help other people. You don't help other people shine their light by you not shining your light. On the contrary, the more you shine your light, the more you empower me to shine my light. Ultimately, the light is one source, but it's manifested in different ways and in infinitely diverse ways. And that's why this is not, never a contradiction to individuality. This is about authentic individuality, just like it's about authentic self-love. There's self-love that's about, I'm going to prove to you that I'm good and I'm going to love myself and therefore I'm going to do things that will ultimately undermine me and things that I love. Real self-love is truly letting go of all the messages about the self that alienate you from a deeper understanding and awareness of who you really are. Great question. Does this mean that all therapy is futile and you're just wasting your time? So that's a great question. Another question that came up here is, when you say that we shouldn't be defining people, doesn't that make us naive when we stop defining people? Interesting questions. Wow. Okay. No problem. No problem. Um, so let me, let me wrap this up, both of these questions. Um, first of all, in terms of therapy... I would not at all say that all therapy is futile. Sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it's crucial, sometimes it's a lifesaver. And the reason for this is because you can't always release trauma by just learning a mimer and the mimer telling me who I am. Because if that trauma is embedded inside of me, it's deeper than language. It's deeper than all the shiurim I go to. So I may be thinking that I'm liberating myself, but I'm so stuck in my trauma, I am a prisoner to myself. You can't take yourself out of prison, and you may need the help of another person, whether it's a professional, maybe, but maybe you don't need talk therapy. Maybe you need uh, somatic therapy, which is working with the body. Maybe you need EMDR. Maybe you need a lot of other forms of therapy. Go to real experts who are at cutting edge, because there's a lot of new stuff out there that can be very helpful. It's not always about talk. Sometimes talk is helpful simply to get perspective. Sometimes I need and have perspective. I have to know what is healthy, what is driving me crazy, how to look at things. So therapy is not a obj- an objective in and of itself, but often therapy can help me get closer to see where my blockages are. When the Alter Rebbe says that an animal doesn't have blockages usually, but a person does have blockages, I may need help to see where those blockages are. That's where therapy can be very helpful. But you have to be very open. It's really inner work more than anybody can help me. It's really taking the information and really internalizing it and having the courage to go out of my prison. In terms of naivete, I see the exact opposite. When I define people, I'm naive. Imagine you come to a doctor... And you ask the doctor, what do you know about medicine? And the doctor says, everything there is to know about medicine, I know. There's nothing I have to learn. Would you ever trust such a doctor? Imagine you come to a psychologist who tells you, I know everything there is to know about human behavior. Or a neurologist who tells you, there's nothing more I could learn about the human brain. I would run from that office. How could you trust somebody who doesn't have the basic humility of knowing of how much he doesn't know? And therefore, when we define people, we put them in a box... It's a very naive and limited way of defining truth. Maybe you need boundaries. Maybe the person is hurting me, so you need healthy boundaries. But to define a person completely 
is usually, I think, more than anything else, it's cutting ourselves off from the richness that we can gain through curiosity and inquisitiveness. I'll just conclude by opening this up to you and saying that I think it's very important for all of us to not just learn, but internalize chsidis in a way that is very, very real. It will change your lives and your children's lives and your family's lives because it will open you up on a daily basis or a weekly basis to this information. I myself give three live classes in Hasidus every single week, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. They're all on theyeshiva.net. I know a lot of you, I see from the names, join me, so I welcome you back again. But I would encourage each and every one of you to find a teacher, to find a chavrusa, to find somebody, a friend, a colleague. And with the internet, you could learn from anybody around the world, somebody that speaks to your soul. But it's very important to, to keep on learning and expanding our horizons and not learning information. That's also good, but I'm talking about learning it and applying it to our lives. But I do invite each and every one of you, if you want to join my classes Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, they're all on theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net. You're all welcome to always attend. And I do want to thank Mrs. Shemtev. I want to thank Mrs. Shanowitz, who uh, is the one who invited me, and the whole Kinos HaShluchos, for giving me the privilege of addressing you and wishing you tremendous bracha v'hatzlocha ad blidai, of course, in your work and in your personal lives, and to be able to always be uh, that type of person who experiences real self-love and real inner joy until we allow ourselves to be able to see ourselves and the whole world as that channel of divine oneness, which is the vision of Thank you very, very much. Just for a second before we wrap up, somebody asked, what was the exact word to show that Ra's means brokenness with attachment? The source that Ra means broken, if you look in Tanya chapter 6, he quotes a posik from Kehelas. Hakoil hevel uru'us ruach. Ru'us ruach means it's broken, its spirit is broken. The Chazal have an expression, koisel ra'ua, which means a shaky wall that's breaking. It's not solid. So the source of all ra is that I feel disconnected, that I feel broken. I'm not part of the wholeness of Ein Oid Mulvadai. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.